This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, true pilot stories from the world of general aviation. In this episode, high over the North Atlantic, a King Air pilot inadvertently causes a complete electrical shutdown. Strap on the oxygen and fly along in Gang Bar Down by Dan Gleason. Flying over the North Atlantic from Scotland to Iceland has become routine enough by now that it has taken on a relaxing aspect, particularly in daylight hours and even more so in a pressurized aircraft. On this trip, the weather was clear, the winds aloft helpful, and the autopilot reliable. Movement through the stable, smooth air was not immediately discernible, though our progress was easily marked by the steadily diminishing time remaining reported by the GPS. My co-pilot was congenial, and the remarkable otherworldliness and isolation of our place five miles above Earth elicited pleasant conversation. Not all trips had gone this well. Flying assorted King Air and Dash 8 aircraft between our company headquarters in rural Virginia and various locations in the Pacific, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa serves up plenty of opportunity for misadventure. But by this time, we'd learned some good lessons about readying aircraft for the rigors of an 8,000-mile journey through dusty deserts and Arctic blasts to the point that the mean time between failures of any form had been reduced significantly. There was no way that several years previous on my first transatlantic leg from Goose Bay, Canada to Narsasuak, Greenland, I could have anticipated the level of calm I had come to have over these icy, turbulent waters. Complacency was still at bay, but the trepidation of the first dozen or so crossings had faded, no longer forcing a fitful sleep the night before. Once leaving the United Kingdom behind on a westbound journey, it felt like I was in my backyard again, albeit a large one. There are always a million details to manage on a multi-continent transoceanic journey. Fuel logs, flight plans, immigration forms, weather, aircraft documents, crew documents, hotels, handlers, de-icing procedures, oxygen servicing, the list is interminable. To keep pertinent information available without the internet, or even without electricity, like in the airplane, 
or even in some hotels I've stayed in, I found a large three-ring binder with tab dividers to be indispensable. It's my brain, and in a king air, it sits upright on the floor, pinned against the cockpit sidewall by my left calf, ready for root consultations, gen deck completion, and the like. Inbound to Keflavik, Iceland, at flight level 250 with an hour or so remaining, I reached for my brain to review the overnight arrangements. Lifting the hefty notebook with my left hand as I had done many times on the trip already, I eased it slowly between the yoke and the cockpit sidewall. At some point during that process, our peaceful little world shattered. The autopilot disconnected, the radios and intercom went dead, and every single electrical flight and engine instrument stopped working. To add insult to injury, the cabin began to depressurize. There had been no warning that a complete electrical loss was imminent, and even more important, there was no alarms or lights telling us what had gone wrong. We had several things on our side, however. The weather was severe clear in every direction, and we had daylight to spare. Winter crossings often require a pre-dawn takeoff and a night landing, simply because there is precious little daylight at those latitudes. But we could see everything we needed to keep the airplane right side up. Thankfully, my co-pilot was alert and immediately recognized the problem. You hit the gang bar, he shouted, our headsets now interfering rather than aiding our communications. He followed that in very short order by announcing, I have the controls. Our right side attitude indicator is powered pneumatically, another thing we had working in our favor. Not that we couldn't control the airplane by visual reference, but every piece of reliable data helps when you're suddenly faced with so much confusing information. In this King Air 200, the battery and generator switches are located just above the pilot's left knee, with a gang bar or metal tab resting above those switches to be used for complete and immediate electrical power shutdown in the event of significant smoke or an electrical fire. What had been designed to be helpful in an emergency had become hurtful, causing a potential emergency. With the co-pilot now flying the airplane, I asked him to initiate a moderate descent because of the depressurizing cabin. An emergency descent wasn't required since the cabin altitude was climbing relatively slowly and we had every expectation of recovering electrical power. We donned the oxygen masks and made sure we had good flow. I turned the battery and both generators back on. We advised Reykjavik control of our descent to 10,000 feet, reviewed our actions to this point as well as our plan for the remainder of the flight, and then watched as the cockpit recovered to a lower altitude and the navigation systems reacquired satellites. Soon we could take off the oxygen masks and enjoy the view of the Iceland coast. Somewhere in the sequence of picking up the all-important notebook, my hand must have bumped the instrument panel, releasing the notebook from my hand onto the gang bar, forcing it down, and the battery and generator switches off. I wonder how many King Air pilots have experienced a similar event, possibly not reported because of a disastrous ending. Had we been in solid IMC, or worse yet, night, our recovery likely would not have been so smooth. Now, even in the daytime, I make sure I have a flashlight in good condition 
placed such that with very little effort it can be retrieved and directed toward the flight instruments. Little things can become big things very quickly in an airplane, and I admit to wondering if there should be a modification available that would create a detent so that gang bar down would always be unintentional. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earle. Thanks for listening. Fly safely.